Um, this is George Lopez. I'm in the Comedy Works South in Denver, Colorado, and I'm sitting with Wendy Curtis. Wendy, you are... Explain to me your title. Um, well, this company happens to be an LLC, so I am the manager of it. I'm president of the downtown club because it's the C-Corp, blah, blah, blah. And how long has the Comedy Works been uh, around? Uh, the downtown club opened almost 31 years ago. Okay, so tell me your story. When did you become involved with... Uh, let's start with comedy. Well, in... December of 1986, I was at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, and I was finishing my degree in acting and directing, studying classical voice, and um, Comedy Works was opening in Fort Collins. Well, I was from the Denver metro area, so I certainly knew Comedy Works. It had been open for five years at that point, and I thought, oh my God, the business of show business, I'll get a job, I'll do anything, right. and I think I wrote that on my application. I'll do anything. I want to be a waitress, but I'll do anything. And they hired me. I got a job as a cocktail waitress. And um, again, this was like finals week of, um, of my final semester of um, academics. I still had to do my acting recital and things like that. But I got a job and um, one thing led to another really, really quickly. First of all, I loved it. I love. Who, who were some of the comedians out there? Do you remember, the, the, like, some of the Bill guys? Bill Hicks was, like, a big one. Right. But all of the Texas outlaws were kind of coming through at that time. Um, and there was a guy that I'll never forget. I'll never forget this guy's name because of this bit. Rick Schrader, R-I-C. And every time I see uh, a field of corn, I think of this guy. Because he would do some sort of a bit where he would hold his hands up to the left side of his head and go, corn, 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 corn. I'll never forget that. But he was one of the guys, for instance. Um, and uh, but, but the comedy works is, it, I mean, for 31 years to be a comedy club is, is very successful. And I think Roseanne yes. uh, started at Comedy Works. She did. And, and in fact, Bill Pentland, her husband at that time, um, a few months into Comedy Works in Fort Collins being open was a feature act and came through and he had a little itty bitty tiny television and we all watched one of Roseanne's Tonight Show performances backstage um, I think it was on a Friday night and that was a big deal so she right. started before my time and by the time you know I got there 25 and a half almost 26 years ago I mean she had already left Denver and was already on her way. Right. Had done those first couple of HBO she, specials. She was pretty amazing. I mean, I, I I was at the comedy store on a Monday night, and and they said this next woman is from Colorado, and on Wednesday she'll be making her her first appearance on the Tonight Show. Welcome, Roseanne Barr. And she walks up and she's like, yeah, yeah. And we're the for the first minute, everybody's like, all right, well that seems a little bit. Killed, and then after she did the Tonight Show, she was on her way. Yeah, that was it, wasn't it? But to be in that room and see somebody that you had never seen before that brought a unique and different those female that right. really just changed like comedy, and then right. knowing that she was from here and proud of it, and then her and I actually are, I would say, pretty good friends now. So uh, it, 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 it's it's good to see. Yeah, you know, it's good to see. I think we've launched you know a few people. Not so much, you know, continuing in front of the mic or the camera, but more writers 
and um, a few people that I think have gone on to be screenwriters. Did you Did you want to be a performer? I wanted to be an actress. I really wanted to be an actress. And musical theater as well as serious, um, dramatic stuff. But I was heavy. I was, I mean, you, when you met me, I right. was really heavy. I was, you know, when I started managing Comedy Works 22 or 23, and I was in the range um, probably of 230 to 50 pounds. My top was 285. I'm not being vague about the number. No, no, no. Of it's course. just kind of like when, you know? Yeah, but you were he- you were heavy, but were you always heavy? Um, I was probably sometimes chubby during adolescence, kind of in and out of chubby, and then afterwards, it was like when I was 19. Suddenly I... Um, in about two months, I gained about forty pounds. And really, what it was, I was sitting in a, I was sitting in a class. All the voice students would come together once a week, mm-hmm. and there was a visiting somebody or other, like a, um, an artist in residency or something, and he talked about these women in New York, and they were growing up, and they were burning their esophagus, and they could ruin their careers, and. Something, right. and I don't know. It was a blur, but I sat there stunned because that's what I'd been doing, you know, mm. all of my teenage years. And I was now nineteen, and um, I did have a gift. And I probably, I mean, I, I call it cold turkey. And I, but I would say within a few weeks, I stopped throwing up. But really, at the core of my eating disorder, I was. Uh, a compulsive overeater and I couldn't stop and then you know a few pounds came on and then I really couldn't stop but but did you have a trigger that made you that made you eat or like some people when they get sad or they get oh yeah when I was sad and lonely and mad and glad and la 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 I ate I just ate and and um I remember for instance it was that it was within that a, a week or two it was a I was my first semester, my sophomore year, I was still living in the dorm, and I got into the car in a snowstorm, and I went to McDonald's. I never ate at McDonald's; just didn't like the food. And um, I ordered like a couple of hamburgers or whatever, and I snarfed them really fast. I mean, I, there's these, I have these snapshots of this slow motion motion picture of of like these few months that were very traumatic and significant in my life that that Thursday night I, if I looked at a calendar I could probably tell you what the exact mm-hmm. date was mm-hmm. um, and uh, that started to snowball and snowball and snowball and snowball so I'm 19 at the time and I didn't get into counseling until I was 25 or 26 I think it was 26 and I found you know finally found a specialist so a psychologist a therapist mm-hmm. but she specialized in eating disorders and I've been in and out of eating disorder therapy since then. And you look fantastic now. Thank you. I think we've both gone through several different configurations body-wise. We have. We have. Yeah. And in our hearts and souls and minds, too. I think there's a lot of transformations that happen. There is a lot of transformations that happen. That happen. You know, comedy has a way of... I mean, whether you look at it or whether you do it, it has a way of holding a mirror up to yourself. You know, somebody will say something and everybody will laugh and it'll be sad and you'll be like, wow, that that applies to me. Mm-hmm. And that hurts or or uh, 
or it's insightful in some way mm-hmm. into your into mm-hmm. your life or your heart. So when you started working at the comedy works and you were doing that, did it make you happy to be there? So happy. And and I think very much, you know, when you are especially I think a woman, you know, and especially then, I'm sorry, but 30 years ago, it was not as acceptable to be obese as it is now. There are a lot more people. There were a lot less people then. And, um, and there certainly weren't a lot of parts out there for 22, 23 year old, 240 pound, whatever ingenues, you know? Um, but I feel like that what I gained from working very hard and being successful in that way, that filled, that filled me up, Mm -hmm. that filled my soul, that filled, that filled my self-esteem Whereas I couldn't kind of find it in my own self, in my own tower, so to speak, before. And I mean, I really, really have always worked my ass off. And it, and it, it gave me the, the self-esteem that I didn't have elsewhere. But also, also, I must say, in the time that we've known each other, you have a great relationship with comedians and comedians that come through. You know, very friendly. Right. And I know that you probably have to be tough with, with them as well. And some guys, people get invited back and some people don't. But you, I think you, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say a bad word about you or your club. Well, I really feel like, and I've always felt this, and I didn't really ever have a mentor in this business or anything, but I've always felt like, I mean, comedians are our guests for the week. And I remind them, young comedians, you know, our young new talent people, look, without you, you guys need to remember this. Without you, we are expensive drinks and bad fried cheese food. We are a bar. You are the product. You hold the power. You need to know that. And so when somebody is out there trying to tell you who you are and define you by paying you 700 bucks a week or something, fuck you. You know, I am your product. And I don't mean that they that I want them to go out there and, and not take work. I just mean that they need to remember who they are. Mm-hmm. Some clubs, you know, try to not pay them what they're worth and really, really not pay them what they're worth. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that that's how the universe works. You know, if I screw somebody out, if I screw my orange juice man out of, you know, the, his profit, you know, everybody's in this to make a living. Everybody's got to make a living. And, and it's fair. You know, I was bonusing people long before... You know, the door deals and all those kinds of things yeah. because it was the right thing to do. We had a stinking good weekend or whatever, and it didn't matter that I hadn't made that deal with his agent. It was the right thing to do. You know, I'm not sure if bonuses even exist anymore. Maybe they exist with you, but but you're right. In the old day, in the days, not now, if you had a good week, they kicked you down a little bit. Yeah. And that was nice. Well, now agents want it built in. Mm. Whether it's, you know... You know, on a younger act, let's say, that doesn't have a significant draw, they want they want bonuses built in at houses, not right. at paid tickets. Right. So I, they want me to bonus people based on my marketing capabilities, not somebody's draw. What, what do you think the... Because I look at the list here of all those comedians, I look at all those, and they're just, you know, I'm, some names I recognize, some names I don't. But through the years that you've been here, is there a few mistakes that... Comedians make, they just keep making the same mistake that you think might hinder their, their growing as comedians or, or 
expanding their material or their their range of I who do. they appeal to? I do think there are some mistakes, and I'm not sure how we head some of this off at the past, but I, I think that, first of all, you know, it's all backwards in that comedians in the beginning of their career, um, they're also their business manager and they're, you know, they're their agent mm-hmm. and, and that's when, you know, they need to be focusing on their craft, but they have to wear all of those hats. Mm-hmm. And then later in their career, you know, they can have business managers and, and a television and a blah, blah, blah. And, and so that part's backwards. And, and there's a lot of people I've seen throughout the years that are just so such horrific business people that they don't even know that they're shooting themselves in the foot. And, and, and so there's that, you know, just not having just enough sensibilities. Do they still do the, I, I'm, I don't really, not really follow comedians now, but do they still, do they work harder now or did they work harder then? Honestly, I think they worked harder then and they had a better work ethic then. And I think that these younger comics that are coming up, they're kind of, um, and let's call them 20-something. Are they unique or are they patterned after like guys who are more successful? They're miniature versions They of- are... You know that you know that what we how we talk about everybody every kid you know that participates gets a ribbon kind of a thing. They're that they're that kind of product. I feel, I feel like some of these younger comics are, and there's there's a lot of acts. George, you remember in the old days you worked five nights. You worked Wednesday through Sunday or whatever, and you did seven or eight shows. Everybody did. Well, you know I've got no name, never heard of them. You know comics, and they only want to work Friday Saturday. Or they only want to work Thursday, Friday, Saturday. To me, that's shortcutting, and 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 it's they're shortcutting themselves because in the end, they're never ever going to be able to compete with you and those those kinds of chops. You could be put and with a handful of your um, your colleagues in your generation that that did do that and week after week after week and night after night you cut your teeth and and now anybody could throw you in any situation and you come out That's right. and and there i just feel like years into it they're not going to be in the same position before a comic would send a videotape or a headshot an envelope how yeah. do, how do comedians get work now um do they link either websites or Links. Of course, you can upload anything on on YouTube and send links that way. Now, you know, I mostly buy obviously from agencies, um, and so. But the same and thing. Pretty good comedians. I mean, your club yeah. is one of the. I mean, it's the top of all the clubs to perform. It's. We hope so. Yeah. We strive for that. No, I, I mean, this room here, the South Room, is amazing. The room downtown is is great, and then when you look at who's coming and who's been here, um, everybody. What are some of the comedians that have, that have come through? Um, Drew Carey was here a few weeks ago, and Saget was here the first of the month, and um, of course Kathleen Madigan. You opened our club, thankfully, and um, well, Jimmy see, well, Kimmel. When, when you and I, I mean, our relationship, we've always gotten along. Yeah. And there were other comedians who were Latino that had a better draw than than I did. But you were consistently always very nice to me. Well, but to me, it was always about, I just, you know, 
and it's not like I'd ever done anything else. Obviously, I was so young when I started, but it was just about how are we the best? How are we always the best? I just want to be the best. And that was bringing in the best. Right. And, you know, and we there weren't enough Latino comics, honestly, because, you know, Denver's like a third mm-hmm. uh, Hispanic population. Mm-hmm. And so we need more because that's so much of our population. But there just weren't very many. And just like African-American comics, just like women comics, just like gay and lesbian comics, just, you know, if they don't, if they're n- they don't cut the mustard, then they just don't cut the mustard. These are the standards. This is the bar. It's nothing to do with race. It's no, to do with, it's uh, just the cream of the gender. crop of everything. We just want the best of the best of the best, the best comedians, you know? So who, when you were working as a waitress, how did you rise into, who was owning, who, who was the owner at the time? Um, there were... Uh, Two guys, Ed Nicholson and um, Doug Olson, and they actually um, merged with a penny stock company, a pink sheet company. It was called First Films. And so they merged with that company, and uh, they made little horror films and stuff. I got some great shit in the storage unit. Great shit. You should see this monster that everybody that was helping me move my storage unit a month or so ago were like, can I have that? No, you can't have that. But... Um, so they owned it, and then they became a NASDAQ company. And when they did that, they didn't do it very smart, and they took on literally millions of dollars worth of debt and lawsuits. And they didn't do their homework. They didn't know who they were getting into business with. So then they lost their NASDAQ listing after chasing that for many years, blah, 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 blah. And how I was able to buy the club was um, it came up for sale. They had granted themselves a whole bunch of stock. I think it was called S8 stock. And you still have to pay payroll taxes on stock. And it accumulated to be hundreds of thousands of dollars in one fiscal quarter, and they couldn't pay it. And you guys, it wasn't very much. It wasn't like it was gazillions. And they couldn't pay it. And so... The two entities that they had that made any kind of money, and they had all kinds of entities all over the place, but they had a radio station in Gillette, Wyoming, and they had the Comedy Works downtown. And, you know, at that point, I guess I'd been working for the company for 15 years. I'd been running that company, that particular club, for 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And we bought it. One of the original owners of Comedy Works, our then CFO, and me. We borrowed the money from a bank, and we bought it. And then about a year later was less than a year later, they said at our weekly luncheon, uh, where they'd show up, mm-hmm. the company would buy lunch and I'd tell them what was going on, that they thought we should all make the same amount of money. Now, they had other careers, by the way. <laughs> and I worked 70 hours a week running the company that they didn't know the fax number for and one of them you know, knew nothing about the company. And I think, I know I said fuck somewhere. (laughs) Fuck you, fuck that. Are you fucking kidding me? It was something like that. And it was loud and it was in a restaurant. But there wasn't anybody else in there. It was like after 2.30. And that was the beginning of the end. That was like 10 months into this relationship. And I offered one of them some money. I got the biggest, baddest attorneys in town. I said, give me the mean ones. And, um, And I got rid of... One of them, you know, 10 months later, and then, and then the other one wasn't going to take my deal. 
and uh, I never budged on the offer. And a year later, he took my deal, and I go, okay, well, now I'm not going to pay you in a lump sum. You can have it this much a month until you're done. Nice. Yeah. And you know what? And there was just, I learned so much in that process. And let me tell you what I, I mean, I've always, you know, I've, I've always been rather confident and, um, and had pretty good self-esteem, at least on the business part of things. But I learned, I don't fucking do partners. I don't know who you are. I don't, your standards are not my standards. Your integrity is not mine. And I will not lend my integrity and my reputation to you to be a partner. You know, I did a club. I um, consulted on a club in New York City. Comics, C-O-M-I-S, oh, yeah, in right. the Maypacking District. Mm-hmm. Saw it, yes. I worked on that project for about three years. And, uh, and when they said, you know, how much, I look at my big badass attorney and I go, how much? And he goes, and here's her fee. Like, well, there's my fee. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's my fee. But I really felt like this, that, and I said this to them, you are buying license to use my reputation you are getting the probably one of the best reputations in the business and and i work hard you know i mean your club is my club i will do this like you know it's my club and i did and i very much did um and we parted ways at grand opening because they just listened to everybody that had an opinion and you know but anyway but but I really believe that, you know, sure. and I, and I, and I will not do partners. Um, I don't need to. And, and every, you know, when I was doing this mausoleum thing and things started to fall apart in the financial, in the lending, um, climate and things were changing every day. Remember this project was 17 months late. So every time it would be late and the roof wouldn't be on it yet, so to speak, mm-hmm. my loan would expire. And they'd go, okay, now we need another $600,000. Okay, now we need another $400,000. Okay, now we need, now we need. And so what started out to be the deal, it ended up being a very different deal, so to speak. Um, And, but in that process, I cannot tell you how many lenders, how many banks, how many men, quite frankly, said, you really need to get some partners. You really need to get some investors. I go, fuck you. I need another bank. I wouldn't say fuck you to them. I really wouldn't. Sure. But let me tell you in my face, I would roll well, my why, eyes. But why do, you think, why do you think the commitment to comedy like that deep? I mean, that's, that's, that's a life... It's a... Well, it's all I know, you know? It's, I mean, I could start over and sheet metal or something, but this is all I know. And I do think, you know... Spending this much time, you know, it's layers of baklava, these little tiny, thin layers. And it's, somebody did say to me recently, he's on my like board, if I should die suddenly, there's a board of like seven people that come together and figure out what happens to my estate and the clubs and blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, I could run that. And I, and I was offended, fucking offended. Are you kidding me? You could run it? You don't know shit about this business. It would be we'd be out of business in six months. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make sure that's written into my will that you don't fucking chime up and go. You can run it's, this because you'll you'll ruin my reputation. I, I don't think I, I, I. It's almost like you know when you commit to something like this. It's almost like when your grandmother knows how to make that food, hasn't written anything down. It's all in her hands. It's all in her heart. It's all in her head, and she puts it together and it works. And no one else can. You can get all the same ingredients. 
and it's not going to be the same. You're exactly This right. room here, which, you know, we kept open, is one of the most amazing rooms I've ever been in. I mean, I'm getting ready to do my HBO special, and I have, I, I, I told RJ, I am fortunate enough to be able to be in here three nights. The work that I'm getting done in this room is, is invaluable to me. Ah, that's but so good. But this room almost closed. Yeah, yeah, it was it was close, and that was, um, you know, we opened October of '08. Bad climate, you know, and there was a crooked and not very ethical developer who cheated me out of a lot of money. I had to pay liens on this building because I bought the building, for instance, to close on my loans, and it was tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, and. Um, and it, with every day that passed, of course, it was costing me more money. You're not open. You've got all these people on the set, on the, the payroll. Um, and at a certain point, you know, George Lopez had committed, and we'd figured out a date. And the contractors go, well, you know, I, we can't promise you that date. I go, I don't have a choice. you got to get me to some point because I'm not, I'm not going to go back after George has made a commitment and go, yeah, well, the floors can't be stained by then, so we just right. can't open. They don't get that shit. But... Um, it, it was tough. It was really tough. And, and what was tough, you know, I didn't go into this insignificantly, like undercapitalized or anything like that. All of the circumstances coming together drained every cent of my business savings, my personal savings, everything. I had no intention of, you know, of borrowing anywhere I could $15,000 from this boyfriend, $10,000 from here. You know, I mean, it was... It, it's bananas, bananas. And then, and then imagine moving forward and having zero in the bank. You know, the, the old days, summertime used to be horrible. We'd lose money, $50,000 a month, whatever it was. And, and it's not like that anymore, but it's, you still batten down the hatches for summertime. You're competing with everything. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine going into a recession you know, that's an extended bad, bad summer and nothing in the bank, nothing. And, you know, all I could do is stop taking the salary. And I did for about 15 or 18 months. And, you know, the company already had every cent that I'd already had. And, um, and this was in August of 09, August 5th, Wednesday, August 5th of 09, another one of those dates that will live with me forever. And however this happened, whenever this happened, in the couple of months before, and you knew I was in trouble, and uh, you were going to come in and do a show for me. And uh, we did a show, and then uh, it sold out. It was about a week out. And it took every ounce of pride that I had to call you and go, I'm sold out. Can you go to George? And would you ask him if he'd do one more show for me? 20 minutes later, yep. Mm -hmm. And the amount of money that that injected, you know, it was was a lot of money. Did I not get paid? You didn't get paid. I did it for free. You did it for free. And uh, you, um, you paid your own, you paid all of your people, and you paid your own hotel bill, you paid your ground transportation, you paid for your transportation to get here. Yep. And... You didn't get paid, mm-hmm. and the amount of money was—I mean, I'm not—I'm not exaggerating to say because you know that this is a big building, and right. we have a restaurant, and we have all kinds of stuff, and it injected about—I'd say close to seventy thousand dollars into our cash flow. Now, 
It didn't like buy any, put any money in the bank or anything, but let me tell you, it caught us up out of some desperate, you know, death when you, when, you know, when you can't afford for the Coke guy to deliver, they're not going to deliver because you owe them. Right. The Cisco guy that's got your paper towel and your fish and your everything else. Because all of those people, all of those two shows came early because we're going to give them the first six rows if they come early and they're going to eat in our restaurant and they ate in our restaurant and they, and holy shit, it was. You know, it's funny to listen to that talk. I mean, comedy is so hard. It's hard. To run a business in comedy is hard. To be a comedian is hard. But the one thing in talking to you and you and I have known each other a long time and never sat down for this long and talked. You have to have heart, but also you have to have desire and will and determination, which unfortunately now, not a lot of comedians or business people have. They right. just quit. Right. They just say it's it's too hard. And, you know, you were involved in the Montreal Comedy Festival. You were very, you know, we, I saw you there. It wasn't mm-hmm. easy for me to get in, into that. Right. You were very nice to me there. I remember that time I, I, I did that when I was a little bit over my head as far as the comedians that were there. But, you know, I always worked hard. And you always worked hard. And I think between you and I, we always had an understanding of each other that way. That's why when yeah. you said, hey, can he do another show? Or can he do this? And I came back again. And, you know, I would come back again. I would do whatever I could for you. I, in having that, like, soul partner, knowing that, when I needed you, and I needed somebody to make me feel good about myself because I wasn't where I in a, in, a, in a good place, you were there. So when you needed me, I remembered that like that, and but had no problem. But it's back. funny for me to hear that you say that you know you weren't in a good place, um, and I and I think that maybe you know my friend Kathleen, I think that she's been in that place before watching. A lot of people much younger in their careers that don't have their chops doing the same thing, you know, and they haven't earned it, so to speak, and they are shortcutting it, and it's it's hard to watch. But I, I I just believe, and I and I said to my managers in that time frame that you helped bail me out. Um, I said, you guys, the only way, the only way we lose is if we quit, mm-hmm. and I will hang on by my fingernails. I'm not quitting. I mean, I was pretty beaten up for a while, um, and I wasn't quite taking care of myself, and I was so anemic, I had to go get infusions, and, right. um, and I just turned that shit around, too, and I go, uh-uh, no, all I gotta do is take this little vitamin, and, and I, I just, I'm, I don't quit. That, do, that really is a big part of who I am. Do the comics understand, uh, the comics in Denver understand your commitment to yeah. the club and to them? They do. I mean, they, they're, they're they some do. really very talented comedians yeah. here. Very good writers and very good performers. And, and there is a camaraderie in this two clubs that, that, that doesn't exist. Uh, maybe in San Francisco, not so much in L.A., I, right. I, I don't think. Well, I, and I think that they absolutely, um, I think they do appreciate what they have. And I think they, they, they're, they're vocal about it. Young comedians that may not be on the regular rotation yet. And, and comics that, that are on the regular rotation, that get paid sets, so to speak. And, and I think they get it. Because as soon as they go out on the road, they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't how Mama does it. What do you mean? And th- these aren't my crowds. And, you know, we're just lucky. We're lucky. I remember one time I worked in Houston and the guy, I went to the, co- I went to the club to get the key to the condo. 
And the guy didn't drive me, just kind of walked me outside and said, it's over there, you can't miss it, it's on this. And then I, dr- I drugged my luggage about a mile in the summer in Houston in the heat on a day that I had the show. Could He could have said, hey, get in the car, I'll give you a ride. He's like, it's just down there around the corner. And it was a key to a, an apartment that I went into and there was, there was furniture and clothes and girl stuff in there. I'm like, this isn't the right place. There were two different apartments. The same key worked. Wow. I went upstairs to this girl's house. It was her apartment. And I'm like, wait, this can't be it. And I looked and there was another lower level right above her. Same key worked. Wow. What the fuck am I doing in this girl? I'm going to get arrested for breaking an enter. Right. So you, you do it right, you know. You know, the details matter. The, they and, do and, matter. And I very much, I think I got at a very young age in my career that, you know, like me, being paid for my reputation now, I felt like, and maybe a comic had said it, and I, that's, I just hung on to the idea, but that it's not so much that you're paying me for what I do on stage, because I love that. You're paying me to be on the road and live out of a suitcase and... Uh, you know, live in, in crappy condos and hotels and whatever. And that stuck with me because I don't like it. I couldn't, you know, that, that, that stint doing New York for three years taught me, ooh, I'm going to shore up my own backyard. I don't want to travel all over the country just to go to work, so to speak. And, um, I mean, the details matter. So to put somebody in a beautiful condo with nice towels and nice cotton linen, you know, it's just, it's just not that hard. It takes a little bit of extra time, uh, a little bit up front, a little bit of maintenance. It's just not that big of a deal to do it right or to do it okay. I don't want to do it okay. What is your, if you had a motto, do you have a motto or some, something you live by? Yeah. Uh, never, never, never give up. Never. And again, I, 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 I mean, I've, I've said that to myself for 20 some years and, and I don't. And I don't give up, and I won't give up. And uh, I've pretty much been able to do anything that I really, really wanted to do. You know, I really just wanted to have a normal body size. I didn't want to be, I didn't need to be tiny. Wouldn't that be great? But I don't have the body. You know, I don't have the, the structure for it. I, I could never be Eva Longoria because I'm just not built like that. But I, I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to be normal and fit in. I didn't want to be larger than everybody else. And um, and eventually I figured it out, and I now I know the recipe and what I got to do to keep it that way, and and uh, yeah, I just don't I don't give up, I won't, and I don't take no for an answer. You know, I mean that door may close, but I'll figure out, I'll wiggle my way around and figure out another door to get what I want. Really, I shouldn't, you know, I should I need investors, and I need and I need partners. Well, look at this motherfucker, really. Because guess who my partner is? That would be me. Right. I don't have partners. It's the best way to do it. Put it in your own hands. Yeah. And make it work. Because Even I've though never... you have to do all of those things. That's right. Because I've never, I've never fucked up and let myself down. I've never fucked somebody over to, to get somewhere. I'm not going to commit a crime to run my business. I'm not going to be unkind to my, to my staff or to... Um, our comedians or our guests just because I'm on a power trip. 
It's just, I, I've just, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. And I want nothing to do with it. This is my business. It'll be run my way. And it's, and it's not out of my ego in terms of, you know, I think a lot of people do run their business with their ego. It's out of common sense. It's, you treat people with respect and kindness and you get it in return. I mean, in, in, in this time, you know, when you, when you stepped up, again, in a way that I will never forget, um, residents around here that live here, you know, that by that point maybe had been to my home once for a cocktail party or something, they stepped up. And they, they still do. We, we opened for breakfast five weeks ago, and they are here two or three times a week with business meetings for breakfast. They just moved it here. Nice. They go, why wouldn't we support her? We're, we're nice. across the way for a quarter of a mile, and we're waiting for breakfast. But they come here. And I, I, just think, I think that's the way community works. You, and you develop, and you encourage, and you, and you are part of a community. And I think that when you're in need and you need to step up, they come back for you too. As, as, and you know, as, as I would do for them. Well said. I appreciate you. Uh, I love you. I love you too. And thank you for telling me your story. Trip a little trip.